your host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back. Today we have with us Ms. Shannon Enoch. Shannon is the principal of Eastland Preparatory School. Shannon also has sickle cell trait, and Shannon has two daughters that have sickle cell disease. Shannon has agreed to come on and share her journey as a mother raising two kids with sickle cell disease. Hello, Shannon. Welcome to the cell. Hello. And of course, as always, you know, I got my brother over there, Mr. Ernest Kelly. Hello, Ernie. Hello. Welcome, Shannon. So just to get it started, Shannon and I met during my nephew's engagement party who happens to be his fiance is your sister and that's how we got into the conversation about families with sickle cell and i asked you to come on the show because i felt that you know you would have an exciting journey to share uh with our listeners so if you can go ahead and uh tell our listeners a little bit about yourself okay i um I'm a principal at Eastland Preparatory Academy. I've been um, at this location for uh, about eight years now. Prior to that, I was an assistant principal at another charter school. Had done that for about 15 or 16 years and just decided to start my own school. And now um, at Eastland Prep, where we house kindergarten through 10th grade students. Okay. um, So could you share with our listeners a little bit about uh, your story and your family's story regarding uh, sickle cell and how it plays a factor, you know, in your life. Yes, ma'am. I actually have two daughters, um, ages 28 and 27, who was diagnosed with sickle cell um, at birth, um, pretty much. Um, it was very difficult having, um, I wasn't single at the time, so my husband was very, at the time, was very supportive. Um, having two kids with the, um, with type S, S sickle cell. We didn't know anything. All we knew was uh, what we knew from a family member, a cousin of mine who had it. Brother also has the disease, but we didn't find out until much later that that's what he had. I was nine months pregnant when the doctor told me that um, I had the trait and then requested that my fiance get tested. And probably two weeks before my daughter was born, we found out that she could possibly have the disease. Uh, Right after birth, we took her to Children's and they tested her and told us, no, she didn't have it. And probably about a year and a half later, we found out she did have it. So it was kind of a, a whirlwind for us in the beginning. So what years were your kids born in? 1994. So, yeah, I thought that um, here in the state of Ohio that they started doing mandatory testing in about 1990. So I guess when they went the second time, you said that they told, the hospital told you no, one of them did not have the, the, your first child didn't have sickle cell disease? Yes, ma'am. And then the second time she went in, she must have been sick. And then that's when they told her that she did have the disease. Yes. She actually, we thought she had food poisoning because she had eaten, uh, we thought she had ate some plant food. Uh, So we looked on the back of the plant food box, looking at poison control. She still had a fever. Her fever would not break. Um, So we called the emergency room. We went, took her in and found out that she actually had sickle cell. So she was having a pain crisis. Yes. Yes. So where was she having her pain crisis at? At this time, it was in her arms. Okay. Faced with her stomach is where she would experience most of hers at. 
So that means that you were prepared for the second one. Yes, I was. A little bit because my, my children are very close in age. So by the time I found out that my first one had it, I was already pregnant with my second one. So it was like, okay, we got to make sure that we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's um, because we both knew that we had the trait. So how old were you when you, if you don't mind if I ask, when you had your first child? I was 19. Okay, so that's when you were kind of aware that you had it, but he didn't know that he had it, correct? I didn't know I had it. Neither one of us knew that we had oh. it. I didn't find out until my nine months pregnant and went okay. to the doctor. So I didn't find out until then, and then they wanted him tested. And his mother had always known that he had the trait, um, but I didn't. But she just meant like, yeah. And I just knew how difficult it was for my cousin who would have to get life flighted from where she lived, a different um, city, to Columbus Children's Hospital. I just knew how bad it was for her and seeing her in a lot of pain. So I didn't want my kids to go through that. So I was just horrified to know that my kids were going to suffer for the rest of their lives with this disease that I could have prevented. Uh, did your, your daughters go on through school? Did they their classroom time get interrupted because of their sickle cell? And uh, what kind of impact did it have on their uh, upbringing as far as school and stuff? It was different at different points and times in their lives. Um, my oldest daughter, she had to have a blood transfusion because she had pneumonia really bad when she was five. So she missed about three months of her kindergarten year because she was just in and out the hospital. So it, it was usually during the wintertime when that weather changed from really to really cold. We we didn't know. We didn't know that, you know, we knew we had to bundle them up and things like that. But taking them from those extreme temperatures from being bundled up and, and warm to being in a house where it's kind of cool, they would automatically get had a crisis so probably once a year uh, we were in the hospital with my oldest daughter and every season we were in the hospital with my my second daughter every time the, the weather changed we were always in the hospital with schooling with my oldest daughter her senior year she uh, was in the hospital her last probably the last two months so she made it to graduation but she couldn't take her finals i was trying to fight for them to get a 504 plan uh, because they had this medical disease that could take them out, and I didn't want it to interfere with their grades or their graduation or any testing, um, and no school would ever give that to me. Um, they made pretty pretty well grades, pretty good grades, and that was a blessing. But the time they had to be out of school, it really, really impacted their, their learning. My second daughter, um, she basically repeated first grade twice because she was, she was oh, out so much. Yeah, what kind of impact did it have on you as far as being able to take off work? And uh, uh, did you have some really understanding employers or how difficult was it for you and your husband? Well, luckily, I worked at the school where they attended, so they kind of knew my situation and things like that. But the hard part was when one kid was sick and one kid was well, my ex-husband and I had to figure out, okay, who's going to take the sick kid and who's going to take the well kid? Um, mm. So he ended up having to take a job working third shift so that we, we could do that. When he was at work, then I was with the kids. And when he was when I was at work, he was able to stay home with the kids. And my mother-in-law at the time, she helped out tremendously, too, because she adjusted her schedule to kind of work around my daughters. So we had um, very good parent support, uh, family support. Uh, my job was very understanding. His job wasn't very understanding, but he just had to find a way to, to work through it. We had to make it work for our family. 
brought up something that I hadn't heard in a while, which is the 504 plan. I remember when you said it, that that's what I had to work with faith during um, elementary, is that uh, the social worker at Children's helped me get her on a 504 plan where I know that they tested her and then they worked with the the school, worked uh, with her in regards to her subjects. And on some, she would be pulled out of class, you know, to uh, work on wherever she was falling behind in. And and I know that they put at the front of the class, too, because of her vision. Her vision, yeah. My daughter has horrible vision. My daughter is 28 now, and she had to have corrective eye surgery because they told her by the time she was 30, she might lose her eyesight. Um, but with the 504 plan, it really helped us just um, – Everyone could be cognitive of their cognitive of their disability. Um, it's not like they're having an asthma attack or um, a seizure where you can actually see it. This pain is is so intense for them, and sometimes they try to hide it because they don't want to show how hurt they are. Um, but for me, I wanted to make sure that if my daughters are not in school, they're not receiving zeros in the grade book, or they're getting a, that private tutor to come to the hospital or um, to bring them some work. And so I really wanted to protect their education and not let them fall further behind because my daughter repeating the first grade just about, um, she went to school for two straight years during the summer and uh, summer breaks and winter breaks and spring breaks just so she can get caught back up because she wanted to, to be on track. So the 504 plan really helped me um, ensure that they were protected and they had educational rights as just as any other student with a disability. Get up in school because we've interviewed uh, mothers like yourself with, with with kids in school, and and even some people we've interviewed that had the same uh, traits that they have, and and we all and they always talk about um, like their school experience. What was your your daughter's? Did they ever experience, uh, share with you how they felt like uh, going through school? dealing with tickle cell? They really didn't want too many people to know, um, but for them, they had to have the water bottles to make sure they were hydrated. Um, My oldest daughter was bullied because they thought she was getting special treatment because she couldn't go outside in the winter. If it was too cold or if it was too hot, she couldn't go outside. She would kind of help the teacher. So they actually got bullied by other students because they thought they had the special treatment, and it wasn't that. It was just they couldn't be in those extreme temperatures. Um, that sounds just difficult. like that sounds just like uh, Habita Banks. And when we interviewed her, she said the exact same word for word what you said is that you know kids were trying to bully her and thinking she is getting special treatment. That is just unbelievable. Because I guess when they look at them, they look so you know normal and they don't understand the pain that these kids are going mm-hmm. through. And I myself did not understand the same pain until um, they were in high school. And I found um, I finally found someone who, a, a woman who I could speak to who had it. And I'm like, I don't understand their pain. I know they're hurting. I know they're in pain. And she told me, she said, it's worse than giving birth. And that's where it hit me hard because I know how labor pains feel. And that's pretty deep. If you guys excuse me for a minute, we need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Sale on 94.1 FM, WGRN, and WGRN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. 
did they participate or what type of activity did they participate in school? I mean, if they could participate in sports, what did they find as outlets that would help them, you know, continue on through school as far as some type of activity? They were able to participate in um, some of the some of the sports. So my both of them were in the bands um, in their middle school. So I was grateful to that. They they loved the drums and the steel drums and things like that. They also were able to participate in indoor basketball, um, but they couldn't. They had to kind of we had to monitor their activity. My oldest tried to play softball, but the heat um, she could not do that. So luckily they got into gaming, and that's what they made their careers in. So we had to find something that they can do lifelong. And I'm so happy that uh, a great friend of mine told me find what they want to do now in life, and gear them towards that. So my daughters were always always into gaming and um, video and things and stuff like that. So they made a career out of it since they were probably in middle school, 10, 11 years old, and they just create games and create podcasts, and they do a lot with it, with the Internet and gaming. My daughter makes more than me. <laughs> what is, where does she, uh, where does your daughter work at? What does she do? She's currently located in Florida. And she's a um, she's an engineer, a gaming designer, an engineering. Um, she's moving to Atlanta in a few weeks here, October. And my oldest daughter, she um, she's here and she does um, she does videos and pictures and things like that for people. And so I'm glad I got them into something that could be lifelong for them. I would hate for them to not to be able to work towards their passion and their dream. That was so smart. That was the best advice that someone could give you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, so I just have a uh so your does your daughter do photography, the one that's here? Yes, ma'am. You know why I asked that, right, Ernie? Yeah. <laughs> yep. You shouldn't have told her that. <laughs> you should not have told her that. But we need a we're looking for a photographer for our red diamond gala. Okay. And we oh, end yeah, up one of our that. Okay, my son does photography. He's got a he's a man, a young man of many talents. So he brought, you know, his the camera, you know, that looks all professional. So we got uh, Steffi, who happens to be uh, like his assistant. She took the pictures. I said because darn it, ain't nobody not gonna, nobody gonna know that we ain't got a professional up in here. The camera looked all <laughs> professional and everything. She was doing all good. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> she took some good pictures. So, Ernie, she's in the family now, okay? Yes. <laughs> it's through it's merit, but I'm claiming it. Wait a second. I'm claiming it. And, and she's going to be, she's part of the Faith Thomas family. So, yeah. we, we just family all the way around, just. Yes, ma'am. So we got to work on a family discount (laughs) for next year. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, so we know we got a Ernie. We got a photographer for next year. (laughs) My my future niece said she can definitely do that for you. You say my future niece. I'm claiming it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but somehow 
how we got totally off sick of stuff. Yeah, we did. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's okay okay because Mm -hmm. we got we got us a photographer for next year. So I'll be sending you the date. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Just let me know. I told you anything you need. I'm here. Yeah, see that, Ernie. Now, Ernie, how come you can't do that? How come you can't be like that, Ernie? Because Shana is considerably younger than me. I'm retired. Now I want to retire. Yeah. You do not look younger. You do not look old enough to be anywhere near retirement. I watched that video you guys holding that uh, meeting beginning of the school year. Oh, okay. He does his research. <laughs> I said, Google her. <laughs> Google me. Yeah, mm-hmm. he Googled me. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, I don't want to waste her time because I have to imagine it was a long day. And, and, you know, my wife used to do teaching assistant and stuff, so... I know, you know, physically it's demanding as much it's much more mentally. So I don't wanna waste nobody's time when they, you know, give us uh an hour of it. Yeah. I understand that. He's he's a good interviewer. Uh he definitely makes up for what I don't ask. Let me ask you a question. Um do you feel that by you having sickle cell traits that you have experienced any type of physical ailment since you have the traits? I always have low iron, so I know that's one of the side effects or conditions of having the traits. So my iron is always very low, uh, which means I'm always cold. And it wasn't until probably about six months ago my daughter came to me and she said her doctor told her that I can have some of the same pain crisis as they do. Not as severe, but, I mean, I do get pains in my in my knees. I'm thinking, oh, I'm getting old, but I've been having them since I was 20 years old. Um, pain in my back. And when I was younger, I was telling my doctor, like, I have my knees hurt. You know, just certain times of the day or during certain temperatures, my knees hurt. And he was saying, oh, it's because um, you've gained weight and you have more pressure on your knees or you – you're um you're gaining weight, so you have more pressure on your back. And it wasn't until, like I said, a couple of months ago, she said, Mom, I think you have pain crises when you're going through this. It's not you have arthritis or you've gained so much weight. It's just that you might be going through the same, some of the same things I'm going through. Not as severe, but definitely I, I now think that some of the pains I caught I have is not because of an exercise or because of a weight. I think it's when weather changes, my body, it goes through that. I know that 2022, if everything goes okay and we host the uh, event again, what has been on my mind is what about traits? You know, what about it? Before they used to say that if you had the trait, you know, it was no big deal, things like that. But they've done a lot more studying now with traits. And I'm like, I think we need to address the issue. You know, what are some of the things that happen to individuals that have the trait? So that's going to be, I think, are going to be our topic for uh, 2022. Uh, do you have any grandkids that's right now that that has it? And when your daughters were growing up and going through this, what was uh, was it difficult for you to to get information about sickle cell when you first found out that your your daughters were 
uh, carrying sickle cell? Was it was it hard? Was the information readily available, or did you really have to work to find it? I don't have any grandchildren. Uh, when my when I first found out my daughter had it, Children's Hospital was great. Um, I got all the information I needed. My daughters were going to the um, getting checked out every six months or every three months, and it was every six months when they got a little bit better. But it was always a question: What happens when they leave children? And I could never get an answer to that. Or what was their what was their life expectancy, and uh, what can they do when they grow older? And you know what what's going to happen? Uh, so no one can ever tell me what happens outside of the age of 18 when children release them. And luckily, children kept my daughters until they were 21. But we didn't have at that point. We didn't have nowhere to go after afterwards. It was never. Many doctors didn't know about it. At one point in time, when I was pregnant with my daughter and I worked in the doctor's office, I worked with five doctors, and none of them knew anything about sickle cell. They couldn't tell me anything or wow. give me any information. And that was very. That's why I left that job because you can't help me now. And if you can't help me now, you can't help me later. And we were just very distraught thinking that my daughters weren't going to live to be, be 18 or 19 years old. They weren't going to grow into young women or adulthood. They, we, we fear for them having, having children because it could, I mean, it could be life-threatening for them. But yeah, my daughters, they, have, they have good doctors. Well, my oldest have a good doctor now and just load her up with information and They've told me that she's too old for me to come to the doctor's office with her, but I, I want to learn more. I, I, I want to know everything. Like, okay, she's 25 now. You can't come, Mom. And I'm like, well, I mean, there's still things I need to know. <laughs> my husband now, he didn't know, and he plays football. So um, my daughter was in the hospital. It was the 4th of July weekend, and he had a football game, and he just takes off and go. And he didn't realize how much pain she was in. And he was my nephew and came to see my daughter for the first time. And he's at this time, probably 19 or 20. He said, I never knew, I mean, how bad, how much pain she was in. No one ever was there with us to, to see the pain they were going through and the medications that they, they, they filled their bodies with, even the little bodies. I mean, they were filling my kids with so many different types of pain medica- medication just to get them comfortable enough to sleep. And that was the disheartening part is all these drugs going into my daughter's system and just so they can be comfortable and sleep. Wow. Yeah, yeah that is something um, because children's will give you just about anything. But however, when they hit that, like you say, that, that 21, however long they decide to keep you, the other hospitals start to look at them as drug seekers and it's hard for them mm-hmm. to get treated. We have drug addicts in my family, and they know they know about our our past. They don't want that. They don't want that to come on them and to be addicted to something like that. My brother, who has sickle cell disease, won't even take any pain medications because we know that we are very prone to being addicted to medication. We don't we don't want that. And it's the scary part of that. But we know we need it. But likelihood that we become addicted to it. So my daughters are very cautious about the medicine they take and if. The doctor want to give them something that's too strong. They kind of hold off on it until the until they can't take the pain anymore. Wow. Wow. Mm. I mean, what was it like for you guys when you wanted to uh, go on vacation? Was I mean, did you have to like start planning months ahead on? Absolutely. On, uh, we had to start planning going on vacation. What? What? Yes. Oh, really? Yes, it had to be really? at least. We had to plan at least a year to a year and a half in advance. We had to check the weather. We had to see how we were getting there. 
Um, if it was a plane, a high altitude could change something in their sickle cell or cause a crisis. If they were going to be on the water, uh, anywhere near the water, they had to be at a beach. They can't go swimming. Going into a regular swimming pool outdoors, automatic crisis. Going from that cold water, getting out the cold water into the sun, guarantee crisis. So they could not go to a regular swimming pool. It had to be on the beach or someplace with warm water. So we had to plan at least a year, year and a half in advance just to check the weather and make sure everything was okay and um, are they driving, like I'm sitting for a long time. Or I mean, it was it was a lot. It's just frustrating. I, I mm-hmm. can imagine being a, a youngster, teen, you know, end up around all that nice beach. And, oh, man, that's just got to be terrible. And get in the water. Yeah. It's terrible. Going to wow. pool parties and can't get inside the pool and yeah. or jump wow. in and they can't do it. They couldn't do it. Well, well how did you keep them like um, lifted up after something like that? Because I know it had to be frustrating for them when you had you told them, "Hey, you can't, you know, you can't go in there and that that kind of stuff." If they did go swimming, um, if it when they had to be indoors, so we went to the Y a lot indoor swimming pool. Um, or I, we had a heated heated towels, so we had to bring heated towels with us to make sure that they they warm their bodies. I can recall my daughter getting out the pool, and she didn't put her towel on, and she went right into her cousin's house where it was air conditioned. And I'm like, let's go home now because we're going to children's later, and that's what happened. And she was wasn't thinking; she was a kid. She was eight, and mm-hmm. going to have, mm-hmm. um, but we always had to have a watchful eye and. Luckily, she had her grandmother who, if I wasn't there, she was always there for her. Man, you guys are moms of the year. I had to be the voice for my for my kids. Um, there was no negotiation, so some things were non-negotiable. And I just had to just put my foot down and say, well, this is the situation. These are my these are my kids. This is what they have. And either I can work for you or I can or I can't. But my my kids had to come first. My my job never came first. It was always my kids. Yeah, and it's kind of a personal question. So excuse me, saying I'm not trying to be getting business or anything. But okay. uh, yes, you how did you? How, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because you know what you said. I'm just you know, joking. To, I'm just joking. We used to hear from from other sickle cell uh, uh, girls, young, you know, twenty one. How was your, you know, your daughters know when they was dating? How was how was that for them? How how, how did they handle that dating guys and, and coming up? Um, it wasn't it wasn't a problem. I didn't. My daughters didn't they didn't have an issue. They would let whomever they were dating know that hey, this is what I have. Sometimes it's you know I'm in this pain, and it it was never a problem. Mm-hmm. People who were in our circle and was with us, they were truly with us. And they understood. But they never have someone mm-hmm. break up with them because they were sick or they couldn't be at a certain event or anything like that. And I told them, you have to find people who are going to be with you at all times and not against you. And they, they took that mm-hmm. in so we never had an issue with it. That's so great. But just having them, you know, now my husband now is just very supportive. And, you know, if my daughter, who's 28, have a crisis, he's taken her to the emergency room or He's going down there checking on her, making sure she has her medicine every every four hours or every two hours. So, you know, because he hates to see her and he hates to see her in pain. But mm. um, any little thing, he he's looking at her eyes and seeing that, she, that they're jaundiced and looking at her hands, and he's much more aware of it now. He thought it was just you know, oh, it's a blood disease, and didn't understand it until he saw it. And when he saw it, it was oh no, this is life threatening. And he makes sure that 
pay. Kids 28, 27, or 5, they come first. Shannon, we want to thank you for being with us today. Is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners before we let go? Um, I would just say just to talk to your talk to your kids and build that relationship and try different things to see if it worked. We, we tried so many different things. Um, some things worked, some things didn't, but at least we tried them. Um, some things my daughters liked, some things sometimes they didn't like them. Massage therapy, jacuzzi, then we tried everything. Just try different things to see what works best for, for your child or, or for you and your condition. Uh, and just be mindful that this is a this is a disease that can actually end your life. And to please take care of yourself and please to make sure that you're going to those doctor's offices and you're you're going to those visits and you're asking questions. If you don't know, always ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Okay, that was some good advice. Um, this is Felice. This is Felice, your host. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is FaithThomasFDN.